So I'm just going to talk about uh, briefly in the beginning uh, just different women that are in ministry that are actually in the Bible. I'm not going to read all these verse for verse. I'm, if you're taking notes, you can just write it down. If you don't catch it, you can listen to the recording later. It'll be on there now that we know that it's working. But um, just different uh, women in ministry because a lot of a lot of churches will say that women are supposed to be quiet and they take one scripture that is taken and they don't even look at the whole picture um, in Corinthians and the whole Corinthian church was just a teetotal mess and if you study that and find it you'll find that there was a lot of stuff going on there and for good reason so Paul was pretty uh, direct but Paul also had some teachers and workers that he mentions in the New Testament in the books he wrote but uh, Deborah she was a judge over Israel it talks about you can read about Deborah in Judges that's a book about the judges of Israel in uh, chapters 4 and 5 you can read about Deborah uh, if God is going to have one woman judging a whole nation of his chosen people, to me that speaks a lot of volumes. So she did that. Um, another example was Hulda. 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 I don't know how to say her name. But she was a prophet to uh, King Josiah. King Josiah was a, um, a person that was king at the time he was eight. Can you imagine your eight-year-old being king over a whole nation? Some of your eight-year-olds may have acted like they were the king of the house. But imagine that a king, an eight-year-old boy, is actually ruling a whole kingdom. So as King Josiah got older, he studied the words of God. He followed it. Um, he actually lived it out. There were a lot of evil, wicked kings in Israel. Josiah was not one of those, so he sends he sends some of his advisor to go talk to Huldah, this woman that is a prophet, and um, get a word from her because that's what they did back in those days. And... Uh, she says, well, there's going to be disaster come and lists all this horrible stuff that's going to happen to these people. And then she says, but since your king has been holy, let him know that none of this stuff will happen until after he has passed away since he would honor God. And you can read back through that in Second Kings chapter 22, and you can even read on and see that after King Josiah had passed, uh, some not-so-good stuff happened to the people of Israel. So she's a prophet. Uh, Esther, there's a whole book about her in the Old Testament. Uh, Esther um, rose up to be a queen, and she saved the whole Jewish people. She risked her life. Um, you weren't supposed to go before the king unless you were summoned. And so I'm trying to condense everything. She calls uh, Mordecai and just the, the Jews just to a whole fast, to fast and pray for her. She goes before the king that she won't be killed. Um, there's conspiracies going on. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but she saves them. I just spoiled it for you. But there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff in there that I didn't say. Esther's a fun book to read. It's like is it eight chapters or something. I don't know. I can't remember that stuff. I can remember chords and songs. And Ben takes care of the other stuff. And if you remember, he, if you just heard him a minute ago, that's why he's not leading worship. Because when he tried to sing, it wasn't that good. I'm just gonna be honest. I told him at Vanceburg this morning, Ben preaches for like 45 weeks a year and burns me in like every single sermon. So this is my time. And nothing is off limits either. Nothing. I'm talk about dirty clothes, hampers, and everything. It's all on the table today. Just kidding. Some of it is, though. Um, so she was a queen. There's a whole book. You can read through that whole book of Esther. Um, it may be a little bit longer than that because Ruth is in there, too. It's a short book. But uh, next one, Mary of Bethany. This is the Mary that her sister was Martha, and they had a brother named Lazarus, and he died, and they were just good friends with Jesus, and I told them this morning that that's my favorite scripture in the Bible, uh, is wherever 
Jesus comes, but they're like, Lord, you've waited. He's already been dead four days. And in King James Version, that's the only time I really read the King James, but it, he says, but Lord, he stinketh. I think that's hilarious because it's stinketh. It's old, old English. But Lord, he stinketh. So um, while that was going on, they had this friendship with Jesus. Mary of Bethany was able to sit with the disciples at the feet of Jesus. Back in those times, it was not right for women to do that. So Jesus viewed her as somebody that could learn. So obviously he valued her as a person. So she was able to sit at the feet of Jesus with the disciples and learn. That's in Luke chapter 10. Uh, in John chapter 20, it talks about Mary Magdalene. Magdalene, I don't know how you want to say it. Uh, she was from Magda, Israel, because there's several different Marys in the Bible, because there's also uh, Jesus, Mary, or Mary, Jesus' mother, and there's another Mary that was at the foot of the cross with this Mary. But uh, Mary Magdalene, she was the first to preach of the resurrection. So that to me, that's pretty important. Jesus, at, she goes to the tomb. She can't find the body. There are two angels standing there. And then she's like, what have you done with his body? Well, then Jesus comes up and is like, hey, what's wrong? She thinks he's the gardener, so she thinks Jesus is the gardener. She's like, what have you done with my Lord's body? And he's like, Mary. And she realizes in that instant that it's to Jesus. And he tells, he tells her to go tell the others and get the others. So the first preacher of the resurrection was a woman. I think that's pretty neat. And it's been all downhill ever since, right? And no, I'm just playing. But um, I just think that that is amazing of Jesus entrusts a woman to, uh, to go tell that he is risen. Uh, another, Priscilla, not Priscilla Presley, but there was a couple in the New Testament that, were, that helped Paul out a lot. Priscilla uh, was the woman. Her husband's name was Aquila. Thank God that we don't have any of those today because it would be like Priscilla and Aquila Brown. How would you like to be Aquila, Sean? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Old Quill. So um, <laughs> that was in Acts 18. Uh, Priscilla was a teacher, and it says that she went around teaching, and she was one of Paul's good friends. Uh, and one of the last ones from the New Testament, uh, Phoebe. I always think of Phoebe and friends. That's just what I always think of. But in Romans chapter 16, it actually says that Phoebe was a deacon. So she was a leader in the church, and it actually says deacon. And you can go back if you want to study Greek and figure out what all that stuff means. I don't have enough time to cover that today. But women have played a part all through the Bible. I know a lot of times people just want to write that off or ignore it. And like I said this morning, if you don't believe that, that's okay. I'm still going to go eat rapid fire after church. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But um, that was in Romans chapter 16. And Joel uh, chapter 2, verse 28, um, Joel was a prophet in the Old Testament. But it says sons and daughters will prophesy, is what Joe's speaking. So it was just not that men were going to prophesy, but that women are going to be active in the ministry of the church. So um, God can and will use, I believe, anyone that's willing to follow them, no matter the sex, no matter the race, no matter what their background is, what their struggles are, what their sin is. God can use and will use you as long as you're a willing vessel. Um, so just to kind of give a little bit of background about um, the church, it, obviously we're the bridge now, but I'm going to say Bethesda because that's what Gartha planted it as. But uh, Gartha Swergen, um, I mean, there's, I'm trying to recap this. I've got a video on YouTube. It's about 26 minutes long. If you get chance, I'll put the link up later on the church page. But if you get time this week, take some time and watch that because it's really cool to hear the whole story of how 
of Gartha's background and how Bethesda unfolded. So I'm trying to just condense this really quick. But Gartha started, uh, she started having a Bible study in her house in 96, uh, developed into a church. They launched the church at the campus in Vanceburg in 97. There's actually some pictures in another video that I've got where they were working on stuff and have a drywall because that was, that was where uh, the horsley, he used to do auto body, work on cars and paint them, so it was a garage. But she planted that, uh, being obedient to, to God's word. And then because she did that, Betty and Bonnie were there at Bethesda at the time to help her plant and start that church. Betty even went around to businesses and people having them like sponsor chair because chairs were like 30 bucks a piece. So Betty did that. At Bonnie, they worked hard. They launched the church. They planted the church. Um, and then a few years later on, Betty actually went and got ordained uh, through the ministry because Garth had planted her seed. So the thing is, everything that we do, it's going to impact. And you never have a clue because we, oh, God's the only one that sees the big picture. But Betty, she's, she was at the Vanceburg campus this morning, but she's an ordained minister uh, through Pastor Alvin Lindsay and Faith Ministry Christian Center. That's up in Lorain, Ohio. So because Garth had planted the church, then Betty's in this, and then she's out doing other works through that. And just to back up, um, none of that would have even been possible, and this is mentioned a little bit more in detail in that video that I'm telling you about. But uh, Wilma Irwin um, went, when Gartha was the uh, director of nursing at the Women's Center at SOMC in Portsmouth, Wilma just got up one day, Wilma Irwin, she is a pastor, she's planted several churches, she's from Garrison, she actually lives out Canyon Road, we were at her house, like Ben said, for a couple hours the other night, but she just woke up one morning and she said that she didn't even know Gartha at the time, but God told her to go to this, go to the hospital and go to ask for a swearing woman and tell her that God was calling her to pastor a church and to preach. Didn't even know it, so she goes up there, that was the confirmation that Gartha needed. So Bethesda wouldn't be here so the bridge wouldn't be here so you all wouldn't be here we wouldn't be here it's just crazy if Wilma had not been obedient to God and went and told Gartha hey it's time and like I said that video I love it um, I was telling Wilma about it when we were at her house the other night and I sent it to her on I said I'll send you the link and she watched it and said it was awesome but I watched it again and it just is exciting to me to just watch all that again and just see that what God has done over the last 20 some years it's really cool but Wilma was able to tell me a little bit about her calling, too. Um, and around 81, she felt like God was calling her to preach and to pastor. And you guys know, I love Lewis County. I wouldn't rather be anywhere else. But um, sometimes we're a little bit behind the times, if you notice that. About one of the only places that, I've, that we've been that is worse than Lewis County is Harlan County, Kentucky. Liked it there, too. But they're like, go back 100 years in time, and you're there. So when a woman in the 80s is talking about pastoring a church, how well do you think that's going to go over, especially in Lewis County? Not too good. So she struggled with that for nine months. Uh, in 82, she was going to see a revival that was at a church in Carter City, just right over, not too far away. And uh, the revivalist was like in his 80s. He was from Florida. And uh, he's up front just talking to people before church starts. Uh, Wilma walks in the back because some, someone told her this. And he said, who's that woman? And they're like, oh, that's, that's Wilma. She's from here. She's wanting to, to preach and called to be a pastor. And that guy said, that's, that's why I'm here. That's why God sent me from Florida to here. I'm going to teach her how to build churches and plant churches. And that's what Wilma's done. 
Um, Bivens Chapel grew. It's, it was they've done a lot. If you would have seen how it used to be like a long time ago, um, she started Christ Open Bible, and that's what she does. She goes around and kind of plants or revitalizes churches. But if she would have never sought that calling and actually followed through and not worried about all the naysayers, if she would have listened to anybody else but God, it never would have happened. So because she was faithful and accepted that calling back in the 80s and was preaching and planting churches and pastoring, then she got to Garhood, then she got to Betty, and then there's all these other ministries and stuff. And what's kind of neat, um, Dusty, when he had, had got saved and got back in church, he was at Pastor Wilma's just up at Christ Open Bibles, and we kind of stole him. But it's okay, because it was God's plan and everything worked out. But that's what she was like. You know, it's so cool that she can see him from when he first came years ago and the, the man that he's developed into now. But you see what I'm saying? It's crazy how there's this whole big picture, and when stuff's happening, we don't have a clue and can't see it, but it's there. So there are all kinds of women in ministry, and I'm very thankful, obviously, that, that, that Gartha was ministered to by Wilma and uh, ended up going to Bible college at 50 years old and doing all this stuff. And like I said, just, just check that out. Take the time and, uh, and watch that and just so you can kind of see where the bridge, formerly known as Bethesda, formerly known as the house church, where that came from. Um, but it doesn't matter what, who you are, what you've done. God, I promise you God has a plan and purpose for your life, and a lot of times it's bigger than you could ever even imagine because I'm sure that Gartha never planned on what she was starting, would develop into two campuses and have all these people and all these kids running around, and it would even be bigger and better than what she could have imagined. Um, so I just, I just kind of threw this up here, but... God will meet you right where you are, but his plan isn't for you to stay there. God will come to you right where you're at, no matter if you're in the middle of sin, no matter if you're lost, broken, in despair. He will come, but his goal is not to just leave us there. Because see, salvation's a journey. It's not just, well, I said the prayer, they held me underwater for a minute or two. Some of you probably needed longer, Brandon. You know you couldn't sit up here and me not pick on you the whole time. So let's see. You made about 15 minutes, man. Congratulations. All right. But, um, but, but God wants us to change. It's not just, it, we are never there. I don't care if you've been in church a week or if you've been in church 20 years. There's always growth and there's always one. So God's going to meet us where we're at. Um, it is a process. And there are people in this room this morning, you're in all different parts of this process. So this process, um, this was supposed to look a lot better, but then when I converted it, it changed it. Um, but that is um, kind of a, a picture of what fishing would have looked like about the time that Jesus called the disciples. Uh, you had boats that had a little bit of a mast for sale, and they would just kind of fish wherever, and that was their life. So I want to go through these kind of quick. Um, but he finds you. He's talking about Jesus, talking about God. He finds you, okay? God is the best hide-and-seek player ever. Okay, you can run from him. And there are people probably even in this room that have run from God's calling on your life because you're like, man, I can't do that. I'll never be good enough. But I'm telling you, he's got you. So he finds us. And, I, and I, just to kind of condense it down, I think about God brought it to mind whenever Jesus called the disciples. And you can read through the Gospels. But um, Jesus went to Peter, which that was the first one. But he went down and actually Peter was in the boat fishing whenever Jesus said, hey, when he found him. God will find you wherever you're at. Don't matter. You might be in a bar. You might be out in a field on a tractor. You might be anywhere, but he can find you. He'll get you. 
and he's going to meet you right where you're at. You're not going to have to try to clean up. Well, God, let me go home and change. Let me get out of these stinky, fishy clothes. Let me do this. No, he found them where they were at. Two, he called them. And he calls you. And just this all just happens just within a verse or two. But he, t- he tells his disciples, he said, come follow me. Okay? And that's all he said was, come follow me. And the thing that, that blows my mind, well, it don't so much anymore because once you've followed Christ and you've left things behind, you don't think anything of it. But they left everything. That, I mean, that was Peter's life. His job, that was how he survived, was fishing. And Jesus comes to him and said, come follow me. And James and John, they left their dad. So, I mean, James and John are with their dad. They're, they've got this fishing company. And... Um, Jesus says, come follow me, and they leave their dad. They leave everything familiar, and sometimes God is going to call you out of stuff. He might call you out of a job. He might call you out of, out of a whole different area. But I'm telling you, if he will find you, and he will call you if you're willing. And I, I told him at Mansburg, I know people may get kind of tired of this story, but every time I say that, I look around, and I don't think there's some people that, that have heard it before. But um, Ben and I, we were going to church up at Raceland, and uh, we kind of felt like God was calling us to Middlesbrough, Kentucky. It's like three and a half hours away from home um, to pastor this church. We'd never pastored before. Um, and I'm not bragging at all because it's, I know that the jobs that we have are because of God. And I don't take any of that for granted because it's his. But when we left, we had a really nice house. We had vehicles. Um, ben had like a $60,000 job. And all, we left all that. He was had a job that actually it was crazy because God, God brought him back full circle and he was in training coordinator just up until like a year ago. But his dad, who's not a Christian, he thought we were nuts because Ben was leaving this $60,000 a year job to go where we didn't know anybody, we didn't have a house. And it was just crazy though how all that worked. We put our house in the market. It sold the third day on the market. The people had cash. They were living in a camper on Little Sandy in Greenup County, and the river was coming up. It was in December, and it was getting ready to flood out. They said, we need in here in two weeks because everything's going to be destroyed by then. And um, God, it, it was a God thing. And after that, was like I was like, okay, I definitely know because that just doesn't happen because the housing market wasn't really that good at that time, but it just clicked. So let me tell you something. God's going to call you out of some stuff. You just got to jump, but I promise you, if you're really seeking him, you'll, you'll feel it and you'll know it. And there is an excitement that comes with that. You don't even think like the worldly way of thinking, like what about a job, what about a car? But he called him. And James and John, they even left their family. Um, he gives you purpose. Not just a purpose, but purpose, because there, be, there, there may be several things. But he has a plan for your life. And he, said, he tells the disciples, he said, hey, and then he says, come follow me. And then he says, I'll make you fishers of men. So he's saying, come follow me. I'm going to teach you. We're going to grow together. I want to make you fishers of men. And I promise you, God's got a purpose for your life, and it's more than just sitting in church on Sundays. I think it's awesome that we come together and live and learn as a family of believers. But I'm telling you, God's got more. He wants you to teach. He wants you to serve. He wants you to witness to others. He want, there's, a, there's a lot bigger part to this whole thing than just inside our little bubble. So he's got a purpose for you. Uh, when he gives us that purpose, he doesn't just leave us hanging. He equips us. And he also changes us because if we're going to be growing closer to God, there's some things in our life that aren't going to line up. And that, that's part of it. If you want to be like more like Jesus, you're going to have to start stepping away from some stuff. So he equips us. He spent three years of public ministry teaching his disciples, ministering to them and ministering with them. So with church, 
Um, we want to grow and we want to study. We want to come to as many services as we can. We want to go to a small group. Uh, I know people, the response that we got from the Red Letter Challenge small groups, they were a whole lot better than somebody just reading it on their own because when we come together and we're learning and growing off each other and from each other, it's a whole different experience and it's good. So I go, we come to church, but we need to find uh, we need to find a small group, and we, we have those. We're, uh, people are going to be launching those real soon as weather gets warmer. Uh, you need to find an accountability partner, somebody that can pray with you, somebody that you trust, whether it's your spouse or obviously I, if if it, if you're if Brandon's a man, he don't need to be going and asking an accountability partner for Elizabeth. You know, I, I should admit, find somebody that's the same sex as you. Or, you know, there may be issues where it, you need to be accountable to your spouse, but find somebody that can you can be honest with and not have to worry about anything that you can, because we all need to be accountable to grow. And also find a mentor. And find a mentor who's smarter than you, who's stronger than you, who's been in this thing longer than you. Because that's how we grow is we get around people that are bigger, better, and faster than us. So find a mentor, and that, that will help equip you, and that will change you along the way. And then the last thing, he sustains us. So when Jesus, when he, when he ascended to heaven, he told him, he said, go to Jerusalem, wait. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. So he's not just going to find us and call us and give us a purpose and equip us and sustain us. Okay? He is with us through all that with his Holy Spirit. We couldn't do any of it without it. I mean, we all mess up daily, but we need that. But he does all that, but he's there for us while we're doing that. So God send, uh, his, he sent his Holy Spirit to us. And we've got to learn to lean on God. We've got to learn to trust him. And we've got to set our eyes on him. Because if we're worrying about what everything's going on around us in the world, we're, it's not going to get us anywhere. Um, we've got to keep our eyes focused on the prize. And I mention, I mention this because I always think about this because I've actually met people that think that, well, um, my grandmother was a preacher and she did this and that, or my grandfather was a board member or my dad's a board member. Let me tell you something. Your family's relationship with God is not going to sustain you, okay? You have to have your own. I don't care if your dad planted 15 churches. If you don't have a relationship with God and you're not working with this and we don't have an, you don't have an accountability partner, we're not spending time in small groups, we're not spending time in the Word, it's not going to be enough. It's, it's just not. It doesn't matter. Each person has to work out their own salvation. We can't base our walk and we can't base what we do and say on the lives of others, even if people are Christian. I mean, I know you're saying, well, you just told me to go find. I do, but make sure they're the real deal. Because just as I said in the beginning, there are false teachers that want to twist and contort the word and everything else. So find somebody th th that's it. Because a lot of times we're like, well, Ben does that, so, so I can do it. Find somebody and make sure whatever they're doing, I set my butt, make sure that it lines up with the word of God because that, that's the end result. And sometimes God calls us to different things. He may be telling a Christian to do this because it's something they struggle with. Or, you know, there's, there's always all kinds of stuff, but if we're being sustained by him, we've got to make sure that we're surrounding ourselves with good, positive things. What's, what's the saying? Garbage in, garbage what? Out. And, and that's, that's the teetotal truth about that. I mean, it, it sounds, I heard people say all the time, I was like, oh, it's annoying. It's not like a broken record, but it's truth. 
I'm gonna be honest, if all you listen to is garbage, um, and just like stuff that's got a lot of cuss words in it or whatever, whenever like you mash your thumb, it's gonna be a lot easier for something to come. Y'all are acting like you've never done anything like that. I must be preaching to like super holy people. But I drive a school bus and I hear a lot of stuff. Um, I draw, there are a few things I draw a line out. There's some cuss, some stuff I do not want to hear, and they know that. But there's some stuff, if you think that you can get on a school bus and they're going to listen to you and nobody's going to say anything, you better not drive a school bus because it ain't going to happen. But, I, but I'm telling you, even like stuff, whenever, depending on where I'm working and things, if you hear stuff all day long and you're around somebody that cusses all day long, what's going to happen? You're going to be cussing. And the same things with the things that we watch and the things that we, we do. God's calling us to hold it. And I'm not saying I'm perfect and I've arrived at these people. I think I told John one time last summer with the fishing thing. This is before he's coming to church or anything. But we was talking about something. I was like, well, John, I used to be a pretty good person. Then we started getting all these heathens at the church. And I was like, they brought me down. They brought me down. <laughs> but I was totally joking. But a lot of times we want to do, we want to act like that. Well, the devil made me do it, or this or that. But we've got our own like will. That's what God gave us with. So we need to surround ourselves with the positive things. Uh, and I told him this morning, and this is a, I'm gonna finish up here. But I love Friends, the show. Um, I can tell you every line, I know every episode. I learned how to play Smelly Cat. That was one of the first songs I learned how to play on guitar when I was in high school. I can play it for you right now, but I'm not going to. I ain't going to do like Ben had Dusty sing that song. And um, I, I love that 70s show. And as I'm saying this, I'm not judging you. That That's between you and God, but I'm just, I'm telling you. We can watch even stuff that, and I know there's stuff way worse than those two shows, I mean. But like towards the end of the year, we were getting ready for the fast, and I was like, I was like, because a lot of times I'll, I'll listen to it when I'm falling asleep. And um, we hear stuff so much and don't think anything about it, but then we wonder why society's so jacked up. We wonder why that um, there's so much, I'm just going to be honest, young kids, even in middle school, just having sex outside of marriage, um, because we desensitize ourselves to that by the crap we watch. And kids watch and listen and learn a lot more. And there was an episode, and y'all probably know what I'm talking about. And I'm not, so don't be like, oh, no, I know what you mean. But y'all remember the episode where Joe and Chandler and the porn got stuck on the TV? Yeah. Yep. Thank you for being honest and saying it loud and proud. Because at Vanceburg, they were just kind of like, I'm like, now you on it. But, I mean, like, I, and I'm just, I'm just talking about me personally. But I was watching that. And Elizabeth knows I watch that show because they've been on the house before and I've watched it. But... We laugh at stuff like that, and you know, like with porn, society has twisted it so much, it's a normal thing. I mean, I'm just being honest, and so even from shows like that, like for me, I feel like God was saying, well, do something about it, and even if it's just one thing, and then two, as I'm trying to draw closer to God, even stuff that used to not bother me is bothering me now. So I quit watching that, and I was like, well, good Lord, I was like, well, I'm still going to watch that 70s show. Well, then while I'm watching that, it, I mean, it's the same stuff. And like I said, I'm talking about Leslie. I'm not judging whatever, whatever you watch. Uh, right now, you probably just watch like Wow Wow Wubsy and stuff. That's probably, about, <laughs> that's probably all that's on your TV all the time. But 
we get desensitized to stuff because we watch it and hear things and listen to stuff. And then all of a sudden, I mean, no wonder society's so messed up. And even though, like that 70 show, I'm the same way that I could quote every line. Um, and, I, and just with it, it is a funny show. And if you watch that, I'm not saying anything about you. I'm just talking about me. So here about like a week and a half ago, men's probably noticed it. I deleted Netflix off my iPad because it's really easy for me just to go to bed and just leave that stuff playing. And so when I go to bed now, if I want something on, I've been putting like worship music on or something different and then falling asleep. But we've got to surround ourselves with the things of God. And just so y'all don't think I'm super spiritual, I, my bus is on 107.5 The Breeze. Okay, so I'm ACDC and rock and stuff. So I'm not, I'm not saying I'm totally perfect, but like for me, with that kind of stuff, I just felt like God was saying, well, it's no wonder people are so desensitized because, you know, this is a regular thing. What's the big deal? What's that? And stuff that, that really, if we're thinking about it, should break our heart as a Christian because, man, what if that's your kid struggling with that? as a 12 or 13 year old and really it's before that I, I'm just going to be honest there's there's kids in grade school that we've had to pull YouTube um, because they were listening to watching stuff I don't even know why in the world it was on there and that's in fifth grade and uh, it, it kind of makes it a little bit different when when it's you but like for me I just felt like God's been stirring in me just something just to go deeper and, and to move and to do to do more I've got to start cutting some stuff out, some stuff out that's not going to matter as much, that's not having the best effect on me, that's not really, it's kind of like dead weight, it don't really matter anyways. And as, he, as, as, as I'm wanting to be sustained and I'm wanting to do more for God and I'm wanting to step more into the calling that he has for me, I've got to start trimming the fat, stuff that I don't have to have, stuff that ain't really important, stuff like that. So like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like, oh my gosh, well, I watch his, I'm not, ta- I'm just talking about me, and I really didn't even want to share that, because I'm thinking, good Lord, I sound like some 80-year-old woman, you know, that just wants to sit around and watch Andy Griffith all the time or something, but, I, like, for me, I feel like, <laughs> you watch Andy Griffith, friend? That's, well, I was watching Gilligan's Island a while back, and then at the end of the year, Amazon Prime took that off. I was like, well, if I ain't gonna watch Friends, I'm watch, and man, I tell you what, Gilligan's for the 60s and 70s a little racy. If you go back, I mean, watch that kind of stuff. Just, it, that sounds crazy, but whatever we surround ourselves with and whatever your kids are listening to, there are things that we're, it's just like you're putting a Band-Aid on something and keep pulling it off and off. Eventually, it's not going to stick. You get numb to stuff. It just it don't have the same effect. Stuff's not going to work. It's just like, oh, that's just another thing. But when we draw closer to God and we go through all these and the things that he can do, I'm really excited because there's been a lot of new people Go ahead and stand your feet with me, please. There's been a lot of new people that have been coming to Bethesda at both campuses, and I just feel like God's stirring and God's doing something. I, I don't feel like I know he is. And, um, you know, sometimes, too, with with leadership, and uh, even if you're in, in some kind of leadership or superintendent or boss at your work, with more responsibility comes what? More responsibilities. We got we got more stuff we got to do. And then the more the more diligent we are, and the more uh, that we serve in those areas, God will start doing more through us. So I just want you to bow your heads this morning. And uh, 
I don't know what part of this maybe have ministered to you. Maybe 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 none of it did. I'm I'm sure at least one thing did. At least maybe learn where we, where we stand as a church. But um, I don't know what point of that that you're at. He, I don't know if he's found you, if he's calling you, if he's if he's gave you a purpose. If if you're in that process of him equipping and changing you, um, I'm probably in a four or five. I feel like God's is equipping me and changing me and calling me to some different standards. But I know he's sustaining me as well. And so I just want you to ask, ask this. Just pray this prayer as your eyes are closed. And just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just let him, just let him speak to you. As you're, as you keep your heads bowed, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ask, ask one thing, and then I'm gonna pray for you. I'm not gonna take much time, but um, if you feel like God's, God's calling you to something different, I don't know if you've been running from it, but if you feel that God is calling you this morning, He's drawing you, or maybe He's even asking you to, to just change some things and trim some fat, and cut some stuff out. Just, right, just slip your hand up real quick. Nobody's looking around. There are hands everywhere. Put your hands down. And guys, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not perfect. One of my big, I don't have a testimony like, like Ben or like Div. I've not been delivered from alcoholism. I've never even drank in my life, and I'm not even joking when I say that. But my, my issue with, and the thing that I've battled is because where I grew up in church and was raised in church, and God forgive me, I felt like that I've always known a lot, and I've put myself up on a pedestal, and that your heart can just get hard because you've been raised in it so much it's just like it becomes a broken record and there's no newness there's no but that's something that that i want god to continually just remind me of that i'm not perfect you may have been in church for years you may have done this but but you're still just broken and uh, like that that's that's something that that i just want god just to continue to break inside of me that i'm not perfect that i don't have all the answers and it doesn't matter whatever it is. I promise you God can use it for his glory. So I'm just going to pray for you before we're dismissed. God, I just thank you for this awesome group of people at the bridge this morning, Father. I just pray that you would be with them, God. God, I pray that you would just begin to speak loudly, God, those callings that, that you're drawing them in, God, those callings that you've placed on their heart that you've just kind of pricked their heart about, God. I pray that you just begin to, to speak that loudly so they would hear clearly hear your voice, Father. God, and I pray that the things that, that we're struggling with this morning, God, that we would continue just to lay those at your feet, God. God, we wouldn't pick them back up when we leave, Father. God, that you would be with each and every person in this place this morning, God, that you would help us to know that we are called, we are chosen, we are yours, Father. You love us no matter what. You come to us and find us where we're at. You draw us out, Father. I just pray that you would speak to us this week. Help us to begin to move in those callings that you've placed on our lives. God, help us to realize that, that we're all imperfect people. We're just trying to, trying to be like you and trying to do more for you, God. It's a group effort, Father. I pray that you'd be with us this week, God. Let us trust you, Father. Let us seek you, God. Let us start cutting away those things and being sensitive to things that are not of you. I just thank you for each and everything that you've done. Bless this group of people. Bless them financially. Bless them in their jobs. Bless them in all their endeavors, Father. In your name we pray and ask and thank you for all these amazing things. Amen.